If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. If this is your first time tuning into the show, welcome, welcome. Um, I hope everyone's ready for the weekend. I think we might officially be coming to the end of summer. Looks like school's about to start again. Everyone's finishing up vacations. It seems like there's a lot of people out there on vacation. And we are in August 2021 seems to be flying by. So welcome to another episode of And Security for All. Don't forget, if this is your first time tuning in, you can find any of our past um, shows on your favorite podcast station. You can listen on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Lots of stuff going on in the month of August with event planners and conferences. If you guys are in the cybersecurity space, you know that there's a big first conference going on out in Las Vegas right now, Black Hats. Um, we have two different listeners today. We have our listeners from the Voice America show, and we have our viewers and listeners from LinkedIn Live. So many of you might be out at Black Hat. I'm really anxious to hear how it's going out there and looking forward to hearing that feedback about how many people are out there and are people shaking hands? Does it feel like it's back to normal? Very curious what um, is going on at that conference. Well, FutureCon, for those of you that may not know, we put on cybersecurity conferences all over North America. And as everyone else, we have been in the virtual world for the last year and a half. But we are gearing up to go next week. We're going to be doing our first live show. It's going to be a hybrid of live and virtual at the House of Blues in Dallas, Texas. It's been a very interesting scenario to watch what's been going on. We have many, many people um, registered, but at the last minute, many people switching over to virtual because of the new variant. So we're keeping everything socially, you know, distanced and safe. And we are really trying to encourage people to come back out. We're looking forward to seeing everyone in Dallas. And then after that, we're heading off to Columbus. I've been putting on these type of events for over a couple of de decades, and this is going to be a new experience because we are going to be doing these hybrid events. Very interesting. It's just like when we did virtual events, it was scary because we didn't know what we were doing, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing in the hybrid world. We'll be streaming all of our live speakers. We'll have some speakers streaming to our live speakers, so it's definitely a new normal for us. But I am very, very anxious to get back out there and see everyone at events, see, you know, our friends that have been supporting our events through all this last year and a half. I can't wait to be around our attendees, our speakers, our sponsors. Just, you know, it's getting very, very old talking on a camera to a virtual audience the past year and a half. So I can't wait to see you all. If you live in the Dallas area, 
area, please reach out to me. I'd love to have you come by our event. We have a great lineup of speakers and very much looking forward to seeing you all. As I mentioned, I've been in the cyberspace for over two decades and Prior to that, I was a Navy, I was in the Navy. I know a ton of people in the cybersecurity industry, but the best part of my job is I continue to get to meet really cool people doing really cool stuff, like my guest today. Today, I have another great guest on the show. I have Chris uh, Folan. I hope I didn't mess up his name. We focused on his first name and I forgot to talk about his last name, but he is a cyber risk strategist. He's he's a focused career coach. He has a podcast that he talks about on his podcast, Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Tons to learn about Chris, so I'm just going to welcome to the show and I will let him Talk about himself. Hey, Chris, how are you today? Hey, thank you for having me on. Um, absolutely honored to be on your, your your podcast. And as you mentioned, yes, I do have my own podcast as well. Um, we've been streaming live for about three years. It's called Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Um, we, we know that cybersecurity is an ever-growing threat for the society, whether you're looking at um, critical infrastructure, retail, finance, um, anything that runs our country, um, there's a reliance on cybersecurity. And we have an ever-increasing need for talent. Um, but what we're finding is that individuals are struggling to break in. And many of the seasoned professionals might have broken in 15, 20 years ago, and there was a, a way to get in back then and it might not be the only way to get in today. So our podcast focuses on hearing the stories of those that have broken in within the past five years, because there's a varied way of coming in today. Uh, some from, as my guest today, from she was a realtor, and now she's in cybersecurity. We've had librarians, we'd have sales individuals, we've had uh, a diverse set of um, guests come on the show. And that's something that we, we like to promote because we need a diversity of thought, a diversity of background, a diversity of experience to be looking at the problems in cybersecurity today and tackle them uh, with a new and interesting approach. Because as you know, cyber criminals, um, I will not use the H word for them, cyber criminals, um, they're always innovating, always finding new ways um, to monetize their attacks and um, hurt us for different motives. Uh, so we have to find ways to defend ourselves and enable business in the same way. Um, so that, that's the reason behind uh, the podcast. Um, so it's been an interesting journey for the past three years on that and love hearing back from past guests or past listeners that say, wow, you inspired me to, to come into the industry and um, I've had my first role now and I'm like, well, come on, share your story. Like uh, we, we need we need to have have those people come on and share their story to inspire the next set of folks coming in. 
Absolutely. I totally agree. And that is a great segue to invite any of our listeners out there, please, any of your comments um, during this next um, almost hour, we're going to talk about for about 50 minutes, please, anything that you want to comment on, we would love to hear from you. So a lot has changed in three years. Um, for So before we even get into that, can you tell us a little bit about your history and how did you break into cybersecurity and what has your path looked like? My history. So I would say I started in technology when I was really young. Um, I lived in the Caribbean um, and I, the, the story really is um, we had a marine hardware store and the island technician was working on one of the two computers that we had in our business. She was replacing a motherboard and as she worked in the internals of this machine, I was like, what is she doing? This is really cool. And I was just looking over her shoulder. Um, as time grew by, I grew a little bit older. By the time I was almost a teenager and school would be closed, I would go to her internet cafe and I'd be helping her with re um, repairing computers, removing viruses, um, upgrading the operating systems, installing software for those individuals that didn't know how to do it. And th that was my start. Um, as I grew older, um, things changed. Um, by, by the time I was ready to go to college, uh, there's a glut of cybersecurity degrees and some of the running stories on CNN at the time or other news agencies what, was that there were so many people um, during the dot-com boom that had uh, cybersecurity degrees that those that had it were, uh, were seeing that their, their degrees didn't mean as much. And personally, I looked at the cybersecurity uh, or the, the computer science, sorry, there wasn't cybersecurity back then, the computer science degrees at the time, and they were heavily focused on math and physics. And I didn't like that. I didn't like programming. I didn't like any of that. So I went and I got a, a, a bachelor's in business with focus on information systems, um, the systems that help support and enable the businesses. Um, I continued in sales for my first couple roles, and then eventually we, we, we come around to where everything crashed in 2007, and um, credit was hard, sales was hard, and I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to struggle in my role, I'm going to do something that's fun. So went back, got my certifications, um, started, as many would, as a help desk analyst, move my way up. Um, and fr from, I would say from the first day I was helping someone and they had a, a post-it note on their keyboard and they had their password on it. And the first thing in my mind is there's got to be a better way than this. Um, and I started ever since then, like thinking about more secure ways to, to help people, to help the business. Um, I wanted to transition into security. I offered my help to work on security projects and I got to, but I, I never got that formal security role. It, it, it took me five years of trying through many different companies before I got my first um, security role. And I had lots of great mentors um, like Chris Roberts and Ron Gula that offered me advice and guidance along the way. And when I finally broke in, I started to help others because 
I was helped a lot in my career. I was given a lot of guidance. So I wanted to find ways to help others. And really, that's the forming of, uh, of the podcast because um, Renee Small, who's my co-host, uh, she's a recruiter. Um, we found ourselves responding to the same threads about people asking to break in and kind of in that desire to give back, um, we, we wanted to see how we could do that and at scale because responding to individual threads might help 10 or 20 people that see the thread, but if we can do a podcast, we can help potentially thousands of people that view the podcast, listen to the podcast, share the podcast, and have that much greater of an impact. Well, so we're definitely in a time of that, you know, you and I have seen that there's more jobs than we can fill in the cybersecurity space. And I've had so many guests on the show and we talk about this very subject and of of course diversity too, because, you know, it's not an attractive field for young girls that are in high school or in grade school, but it's such a fascinating career. So how do you, how are you handling that? How, when you're talking about um, how do you inspire, you know, the younger generation to break into cybersecurity, what are some of your motivations, tactics that you're trying to, spread the word or spread your mission doing? Well, well, first of all, um, I think one of the reasons that it's not attractive to young girls, say in high school or um, in any of the younger schooling institutions is that it, it, it was promoted as being um, very heavy focused on programming or uh, on math, and it, that's not the case. We need everyone from those who can communicate, those who can uh, be creative with marketing, those who can think p- with policies, with procedures, th- those who like to tackle risks and how to manage projects. We, we need everyone with to, to be impactful in the field, to be really successful. So I think, A, showing a personal attachment, um, having a conversation and showing how cybersecurity can impact them personally, show the risk to them personally, make it personal, and then they can see how it impacts them themselves first and then society writ large and through that inspire them that this is a worthy challenge. Um, Many who want to go into the medical field as a nurse or as a doctor, um, there's something about the cause that, or something that has impacted them in their lives that they saw the need to have those types of medical professionals in the world and drove them to want to be inspired to go to that career. We have to do the same thing with cybersecurity. So I have a comment, and it has not. Sh- it sometimes on this uh, platform, it doesn't show me who the name is. Mm-hmm. But I do have a question, and it says, "Chris, um, what's your advice for people looking to trans transit careers that are over forty or fifty years old? Um, what is your advice to them to get started with a career in cybersecurity?" That that's a great question, and. Um, I- I hate to make this seem like I'm pitching my book, but I do want to mention it because it's called How to Develop Your Career at Any Level. And the main reason that I mention that is because between myself and my co-authors, Gary Hayslip and Renee Small, we, oh, awesome. we, we tried to do exactly that. 
Um, we created a framework to think about your career, um, what you're passionate about in cybersecurity, what potential roles might be interested for you, how do you approach networking those in the field, how do you approach finding where your strengths and weaknesses are. And I would say for individuals that are later in their career, you probably have a lot of experience. You have um, people management skills. You have experience in uh, different sectors. Find ways to highlight your experience plus your passion for cybersecurity and blend the two together. Um, one of the, the I, I helped mentor a group of veterans and one of the recent stories is an individual who was transitioning out of the military he had close to 20 years of experience in the military, and he was telling me that he wanted to start with an entry-level analyst role. And the, the first thing I thought is, do you really want to be competing with 20-year-olds for uh, um, a job? Like, are you willing to work as many hours as, as they might be willing to put in to get ahead? Or are you willing to look at some of your transferable skills and see how we can look at um, lateral moves where you get to exercise some of your transferable skills. Um, in his case, it was uh, project management, leadership, and uh, the ability to analyze a wide variety of information and to produce material from that, and his passion for cybersecurity. And then he was able to, to, to transition into a security-focused research role um, more at his level rather than starting over. So that would be my advice for those later in their careers. Um, maybe you don't start off as an analyst. Maybe you take a, a management role. We need managers to help the business understand what the risk is. And with your experience, maybe working in different, different industries, different lines of business, you know how the business works. Um, or you, you, you've had experience there and you can help translate that. So uh, another comment, Jonathan Kimmett, thank you for listening. Jonathan just said cyber is about protecting people, which it is. And I guess that is, um, there's so many, you know, I just had a guest again, uh, I guess last a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the different, you know, that there's so many different doors that you can open when you go into cybersecurity. And it's not just, you know, can you break, can you open up that thought process for people that are thinking it's just, you know, somebody behind a computer and, you know, you're just doing one job and that's it. Can you ex like break down some of these different other areas that you're still going to be protecting, you know, people in cyber, but what are some of the other ways you can do that in, in the cybersecurity industry? Uh, absolutely. And I would say fundamentally, uh, cybersecurity breaks down into, um, two sets of concepts. So first there's people, process, and technology. And then on the other side of it, there's confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And with those two sets of concepts, um, you can be in a role where maybe you're driving awareness. Um, you understand how those concepts relate to say, uh, phishing or, um, for, for someone in a, in a company and you're like, well, what is phishing? Phishing is the ability to have an individual think that this is a legitimate email and have them 
do an action. Okay, what's the next outcome from that? If they do the action, then that allows a threat actor to potentially have a foothold into the environment and then they could affect the confidentiality, integrity and availability of your systems. Um, or if you're doing an attack that's outside of that space, get them to reveal information, which is affecting the confidentiality of that information because they shared too much. Maybe they sent over an HR file or they sent over all the tax information or they went out and they spent money on gift cards thinking that you were their CEO and you asked them to go out and get gift cards. Um, so yeah, it takes a non-technical person to be able to think of these stories and find creative ways to relate them to the individual that you're communicating it to. And someone without a lot of technical skills can learn these concepts and help drive awareness. Um, we need teachers that can help teach these concepts to the next generation. Even in companies, there's individuals that are in accounting that might not know anything about cybersecurity. And you're like, well, they're in accounting. Why do they care? Well, they care because they need to be able to look at these systems and trust that these systems are really displaying the information that should be there. And if not, they, they can validate that hmm, maybe the integrity of this system is not as it seems. And then that could be a flag that someone has been manipulating the numbers and then that could be investigated. So I'm a big fan of Gary Hayslip, and I uh, I saw that he had a long line. I saw that on LinkedIn. He's still uh, having long lines uh, out at Black Hat. So tell me about um, your collaboration with him and this book and about the book and how you guys came together. And t- tell us a little more about that. Absolutely. So the, the book really spawned from, at, at the time, it was two years of podcasts and I, I was thinking to myself that there's really a lot of similarities in all the individual stories that I've heard over the two years. And I was thinking about how I could create a framework for someone's career development. Um, so the idea was to, to come up with this framework in, uh, I did it in 10 steps. Um, it became 11 by the time we were done with the book, um, but 11 different areas within your career that you could develop the book. And just as I promote diversity of thought um, on the podcast, I wanted to have diversity of thought in creating the book. Um, So as a security practitioner, that's one frame of view. Um, I asked my co-host Renee Small as a recruiter to provide her point of view, but I also wanted someone um, that had a lot of leadership experience to maybe share from their point of view what they were looking for. Um, I happen to be connected with, with Gary and we're in several different Slack groups as well as we've interacted on LinkedIn. Um, so I took the chance and asked him if he would be interested in this. Um, I, I knew that uh, promoting this was something that um, Gary has been doing himself. He's written lots of articles on Medium and LinkedIn and other platforms. Um, so he, he loved the idea and he thought that it would be totally something that uh, he would be able to collaborate on. And not to mention that um, he's published a couple of books himself um, and he's related, he's connected with, with the publisher, the CISO Desktop Reference Guide. So um, that was also um, 
pretty instrumental um, in my decision to to do that because I, I really wanted some a, a publisher with with um, notoriety in the cybersecurity field um, rather than any publisher that publishes any book that they they might get that they like. You know, and that's such a great point or a great story is that, you know, our industry, it is a big industry, but it's also a very small connected world. If you stay connected through LinkedIn and people like Gary Hayslip, he's been a keynote speaker at one of our events. Some of these very influential people are more than willing to help anybody that's trying to get started or doing something like that. And I think, I think that definitely ties into breaking into cybersecurity is that you, you know, can never be afraid to ask somebody for help. And even if you think that person is never going to respond, you have to take a chance like you did with uh, working with Gary. Absolutely. Um, definitely. And, and I, I think that's, that's another thing, like both in, in my own journey trying to break in, as well as ever since then, this industry has been very embraceive of those that are looking for help. Um, I want to say almost unlike the IT industry was when I was growing up, um, because back then it was like, oh, go find it out yourself, go figure it out yourself. Um, but in cybersecurity, it's been the total opposite. It's been like, so w w what are the challenges that you're facing? What have you done? Um, how can we help? And it's always been very collaborative. And, and that's one of the things that I love about this industry. And that's another reason that I want to promote it is because I, I see that it can be helpful for so many folks. So what would your... Um... What would your advice be? And I know there's another comment by Jonathan Kimmett, but I'm having a hard time reading the comments. I don't know if you can see it. I could see it. Um, yeah. His comment is, there are many small organizations that do not have a cybersecurity professional as part of their organization. Um, what do you see over the next three to five years for small and medium-sized businesses? That's a great question. Um, when it comes to tackling cybersecurity in the small business, th there's several options that are out there. Um, one of my fellow co um, connections, uh, Chris Castaldo, wrote a book, and it is Startup Secure. And what that does is it provides an easy-to-use um, reference manual for small, medium-sized companies, um, both from ideation all the way through validation of their company and the product. So you're thinking small to ready to IPO big um, size companies and how they can implement cybersecurity. That's one approach, uh, implementing it inside out. Um, the other approach is potentially going with a, a, a managed security service provider or uh, a managed IT service provider that can help with managing your infrastructure, managing your security, and providing that additional guidance. Um, now, I will not say that all of these service providers are perfect. I would not say that all of these pr pr service providers provide 100% coverage for your security. They do not. You really have to understand what value you're getting from them, what coverage you're getting from them, and then how you can add on um, use them to add on to your existing coverage within your organization. Um, another recommendation for small, medium-sized companies is if you're willing to invest in 
um, an individual who might not have as much experience, but you're willing to provide them with opportunities to train, um, knowing that they could make mistakes in your small, medium-sized business, and that's a risk that you've considered. Um, that could be another way to grow the talent um, from within, provide them with that opportunity to set up your per, uh, security program from scratch um, and grow with your security program. So on your podcast, you know, you, you talk about, you share stories of those who have done it in the past five years and they've inspired you by what they're doing now. Can you, and you have a YouTube uh, link that I'll have my team share when we post this after this, uh, after we get done with this, who can you share some of those, some of these, these people that have inspired you and where were they and where are they now? How'd they get started and what are they doing now? Sure. Um, I, I would say one of the very good ones. Um, and it's a, a unique story that, that, that really resonated with me is, um, her name is Tracy Mayleaf. Uh, she started out as a librarian and she would, she was a librarian in a law firm. So um, her role was to help look up case law and other materials for uh, the lawyers um, to help address the concerns that they had. And she realized that her ability to do that was using a concept in cybersecurity that we call OSINT or open source intelligence, your ability to look through resources that are available or easily accessed to you to find new information. And she used that as her way to pivot into the industry. Um, another example, and her name doesn't come, come to mind right now, but um, she started as a teacher. Um, and she was really passionate about cybersecurity. She's looking to transition right now. And she's helping to teach the next generation on cybersecurity and that's how she started the transition through teaching cybersecurity at the high school level, and then now looking to take a formal role within the industry. Well, that's, those are really great stories, especially when you have a teacher. Again, I, um, again, I, I'm like you, I, I have somebody on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of their name, but she was on my show a few weeks ago and we were talking about um, going into high schools and talking, trying to inspire, you know, kids at the high school level. But where are you doing anything like that? Are you trying to get your podcast into the schools? Are you reaching out? Um, what's your mission on that? Well, um, one of the things that I did is I got a book from Curtis Brazel, and it was called M is for Malware. Um, and this was before he developed the rest of his line, which includes um, B is for Blue Team and R is for Red Team. Um, but what it is, is cybersecurity concepts um, with childish cartoons, and it's like an ABC book. Um, and what I did is I turned that into... Uh, a presentation idea to my son's elementary school. Um, he was first grade at the time, um, and I had to. Fi I, they, they were asking for uh, for for volunteers to share their careers, and I was like, "Well, how can I do this to uh, at the time five and six year olds and make it interesting?" Um, of course, some of the, the topics that came up was like Minecraft, 
and social media and stranger danger and how do we relate all these concepts to cybersecurity? And that, that was my approach to um, use these childish like cartoons um, to highlight some of the important topics that we have in cybersecurity, especially at their age, um, not sharing too much information on the public internet, um, not reaching out to people that they, they might not know or um, going to links that, that their parents aren't aware of, um, having that type of uh, communication with their parents to be like, yeah, I want to play this app. Um, and then have the parent really investigate, like, what, what are the concerns that they would have if the child played this app? Um, could they communicate with others within the app? Is there the, the potential for, for, for pedophiles and things like that? So really have that conversation, but at a five, six-year-old level, um, that, that's one of the things that I've done recently. I wonder what that's going to actually look like if there's going to be some changes in our future at school with the, you know, the, you know, you have science and you have math and you have English, you know, when are they going to really start incorporating cybersecurity because it's so prevalent and we see it on the news, you know, with sex trafficking, with the internet and social media and and I don't you know I still have someone in high school but I don't have small kids so I have no idea but and, and we've seen like the Girl Scouts doing badges for cybersecurity but when do you do you see it evolving into something more serious that the educators are going to start you know requiring kids to be more proficient in what's going on in the world Absolutely. And I think there's two approaches there. Um, first of all, there's the awareness approach. Um, and this is getting both the parents and the, the children at, at that age, at the right time, the right information that they should be aware of. So this is something that's ever evolving, ever updating. What, um, what are the concerns to look out for as a six-year-old will be different than what are the concerns to look out for as a nine-year-old? How to have that conversation with your nine-year-old will be different to how to have that conversation with your 13-year-old. Um, you're, you're, you're starting to have different psychological approaches, um, different distance barriers, different levels of independence. So there's that awareness aspect. That's one aspect. Um, the other aspect is when, when it comes to preparing them for this as a career, yes, I definitely, I've seen some um, very inspirational projects like Hacker High School that they've created curriculums that were open source that um, high schools could use or um, they, they could uh, use the content, get training on the content, things like that. Um, I, I don't know. At this rate, I haven't seen anything in, in my local school district about what you're really doing at that level. Um, and it's definitely something that I look to educate them about, at least with, with my child being involved. Um, so it, it's definitely something that needs more awareness uh, from the school level, both for preparing them for a career as well as general awareness. Because we know not everyone has to be in cybersecurity, but everyone should be aware of the risks involved in using the internet in using the applications that they are in using social media and what impacts that could potentially have on their current life and their future life. 
So we have a comment by Pat Grillo, and I think I have my um, computer zoomed out too much, and I'm too afraid to zoom it, zoom it in because I might cut us off. So <laughs> you want to uh, read? Thanks for listening, Pat. But you want to read Chris his comment? Absolutely. It says thanks, Kim and Jonathan. Good content. Okay, well, thanks, Pat. Wait, any comments, just keep them in. I'm just going to have to throw them over to Chris because I don't know what's going on with my computer right now. So sorry about that. But but I, I think, though, it's going back to what's going on in school. I also just think that it has to be not even something for your career. It's just it doesn't seem like it's being talked about enough you know, the safety, uh, especially when everybody went home and all these kids, you know, it seems like the rise of the rise of trouble in a teenager has happened when everybody got virtual and got online. It's it, I would suspect that there is a lot more um, issues today than there was two years ago when kids were sitting in a classroom. What's your thoughts on that? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I would say that the risk has evolved, right? Um, we didn't worry about Zoom bombings because not everyone was on Zoom two years ago or three years ago. Um, Zoom was a, a technology that was mostly used within corporations. Now, everyone and their mom knows how to use Zoom and have a Zoom birthday party or um, have a conversation with their family over Zoom um, because it's a, a much more popular technology now. Uh, so now we need to be more aware of what the risks are by um, creating unique invites for Zooms or putting passwords on Zoom sessions where you're having those uh, sensitive conversations or you're, you're, you're sharing that, that sensitive document with someone. Um, finding secure ways to communicate like through signal or uh, other mediums. Um, but back to the parents' conversation, for example, Facebook saw that this was a gap for younger children to be able to communicate with each other. And rather than giving them a, a Facebook account, you're like, well, how about you have this monitor, this monitored messaging service where parents can set up an account for their children and they can communicate back and forth with their friends. It gives the parents visibility into the conversation so that they can monitor it for security reasons, or they could trust the child and see that they don't have to monitor it, and, but it's there if they ever did need to. Um, now, from a, a company perspective, you, you could say that um, there is the potential for that data to be data mined. Um, while there are laws and regulations around that, we all know how different companies operate differently, uh, but that's a separate subject for them today. And I think where I was going with that, and it's really a separate subject too, but just, just to make my point a little clearer, is that I think with the kids that have gone home virtually, you know, they've gotten lonelier, so they've socialized more on social media, and you don't know what kind of predators are out there. So they're not going to school every day, hanging out with their friends. It, you know, it, it's their life has evolved more into social media the last year and a half, and they're there's, there's new names of there's new names that we've never heard of that these teenagers are using to to make friends out there because they're not sitting in class at school. That's kind of where I was going. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when, that's where the, having that conversation with your child and understanding what you're doing is critical. Um, and then the other aspect is, yes, so they're stuck at home, so now they have to share more and they have to share more digitally. Have that conversation so that they understand the impact of it. Before, if you did something, it might have been limited to just that peer group. Now, if you send a picture to someone, you've lost control once that has left your device. Um, they can copy it, paste it, send it anywhere, and you might not want that to happen. So think about the implications for the longer term when you're making those decisions. Yeah, that's that's definitely something uh, that will come back. You know, younger kids need to think about that. But going back to our topic, because it's so easy to get, you know, diverted into that topic, especially, you know, many of us have kids and we're all concerned, you know, what's happening on social media. But um, going back to breaking into cybersecurity. So do you think that, um, you know, there's a big difference nowadays that it's it's you can go to a trade school or you can go to one of these boot camps or instead of getting your four-year degree that you can still move up in great opportunities by doing a quicker way of educating yourself? Absolutely. And, and let's touch on each of these differently. Um, full disclosure, I am uh, a believer in education. I do have a master's degree. Um, but one of the things that I will say is that I'm aware of the length of time that it takes to develop and have a curriculum approved. And that can take sometimes two to three years in a really big university. But the problem with cybersecurity and technology is in two to three years, it would have evolved. It would have changed. So what you're finding is a lot of individuals that go to some of these institutions, um, if they don't adjust their curriculum on a regular basis to the changes in technology. Um, if they're teaching a class on cloud, that could get old really quickly. If they're only focusing on the basics, yes, it stays basic. Um, but then you have employers on the other end that are looking for candidates with technical skills that they could put into a role and they could be ready from day one. So. Um, Universities are great for teaching the core concepts. Some of them are integrating uh, certifications as a way to continue to evolve as well as meet market needs where you're looking for certifications as a way to demonstrate that you have a set of knowledge around what the industry deems as valuable. Um, so that, that's, that's a plus and a minus for education. Boot camps, um, both pros and cons to them, right? There, there's some boot camps that are really good. They have a lot of curriculum around them. They have hands-on technical labs, and those are the ones that you want to look for, right? You think of results focus. What do you want to achieve by the time you're done with this boot camp, and is this boot camp giving you that? Um, then on the other hand, you have some boot camps that are solely focused on passing certifications. It's like a cram session for five days that says you can get your PMP or your CISSP or whatever certification you can name. We'll teach you everything you need to know to pass the certification. The problem with that is once you go on your first day on the job, you might have the theory to pass the exam 
and you might have the theory to address some of that thing in the works workspace, but you don't have the hands-on application. Um, and then the last is self-learning. Um, I would definitely say that's that's very much an option today. Um, you have something that isn't really taught in schools when it comes to uh, working within cloud environments, developing within cloud environments, and you can get free material from the cloud service providers as to how to learn about their environment, how to operate in their environment, how to develop in their environment, all for free because they want to drive that adaptation of their cloud platform. So they provide all this education material for free. So in theory, you could become very proficient in developing, securing, and operating a cloud environment without paying a cent to a university or to a boot camp. Um, they do yeah. charge for their certifications, but mm -hmm. uh, that's the other side. My approach is that you kind of have to choose what you're looking for. Are you looking for that theoretical knowledge and the hands-on knowledge, or are you looking for that piece of paper so that you could get past the recruiters? What are you looking for? and make the best decision for you. So how do you know, and I, I think I actually connected and found you through Naomi mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Naomi Buckwater, is that right? Buckwater. Yes. Okay, yeah. So she was on the show, she was fantastic. Loved having her on the show. Um, but I won't go into some of the controversial things that you know she was talking about, but she does make some really valid points that you have to be careful um, that you're not paying for something that is out of date. So how are you going to ensure that, because some of these boot camps could be $15,000, how are you going to ensure that you know, what your, you know, a parent might put their kid in a boot camp. They have no idea about cybersecurity. How do they know it's relevant, up to date? I mean, I guess you would go read the reviews or something, but what's your advice on that? Uh, I, I would say um, ask them for the results that they have delivered. Um, some might say, yes, we have um, career coaches and career advisors that have, that help our students to get them roles. Okay, can you refer, can you share my information with a couple of your success stories so that they don't give you the information that we could talk to to find out about the program or look for someone that went through the program and ask them for their feedback. That, that's really the best way um, to really gauge um, how current something is, is by looking at the results that they produce versus just the marketing material that they, they provide. And Pat Grillo said, I prefer bringing people in with a great work ethic as a junior engineer or interns, constantly upgrading their skills. That's a great point, but aren't you going to have to, when are you going to find out if they have a great work ethic? Uh, and yeah, that, that's, that's a valid point. Um, as an intern, um, you do provide them with that opportunity to find out if they have that work ethic. Otherwise, it's a risk decision, right? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to invest three months salary on someone to see how you're going to do in those three months versus spending five times that salary to get a senior someone into that role that may not work out even though you're senior? Because each individual's experience is unique to their own path. So even though you might have someone with a long pedigree of experience, 
they might be grandfathered into their way of doing things and that might not work with your business. So I, I think making any career decision from an employer point of view is a risk-based decision. Like, is this a risk that I'm willing to take? And what's the best way to ask all the questions that I want to make sure that they're worth taking, um, both at the junior level as well as the senior level? So Jonathan said, what are your thoughts on the point of view of being very specialized cyber professional, uh, SIME analyst, uh, being well-rounded in several areas of cyber, maybe not deep knowledge for newer, new people heading into cyber? That's a great question. So it's weighing the balance between being a specialist or being a generalist. Um, I personally have been on the generalist side for the majority of my career. Um, I have found ways to gain a more in-depth knowledge in one or two areas, but not be a specialist, but know enough about the holistic approach and the whole point of view to be able to navigate um, my career, help the business and help enable them. That's one approach. But for that approach, you need to be able to connect the dots. You need to be able to work well with people. You need to be a go-getter and to be able to research something. Um, the other end of the spectrum, specializing in something. When it comes to specializing in a technology, that means you have a lot of hands-on experience. How do you gain that hands-on experience? How do you prove to a business if this is your first role that you're a great SIM analyst. So SIM is security incident event and event management um, analyst. So what you're doing is you're looking at the alerts, you're being able to see if this is an important alert for the company. And if it is to be able to see what caused that alert and if that's something that you need to act on. How do you do that if you have not been in a company? Well, you could practice that in your own home lab. You could practice that within a cloud environment. But you have to have lots of hands-on practice and be able to talk through the workflow and to be able to really talk to it. And that's something that you have to be really passionate about as a problem that you're looking to solve. So if you're looking to solve a specific problem, being a specialist is a great use case for you. If you are looking to help an overall problem um, rather than a very specific problem, being a generalist might be a better approach for you. Well, thank you for breaking down SIM. I, I messed that up. And this is and security for all. So I'm glad you broke that down. Pat Grillo has another comment, but I can't read that. So I'll let you read that. Uh, yes, it refers back to um, whether we choose a junior engineer or an intern. And he says, absolutely a risk and worth taking. Yeah, definitely. And we try to at FutureCon, once we get back out on the road, um, unfortunately, you know, I wish I could open the door and have all these students be able to attend our events, but that's just not the role. That's not how what our role we play in the industry, but we do try to invite students to come and work our events and volunteer at our events and go chat with our sponsors and find out, you know, what's going on in the industry. And they absolutely love it. I can't wait to be back out in the real world and have those type of intern possibilities um, for students out there. So um, 
I mean, that that really is the best way to get your feet wet is going to my type of conference when you have 40 sponsors and you have a whole IT audience, you know, being there and chatting and trying to figure out what you want to do and just listening to your type of podcasts. And there's so much information out there. It's just really making sure that you're finding um, the right information. So again, any advice on that? Uh, any advice on that would be uh, network, network, network. Um, I, I created what's called an informal job challenge for those looking to break into cybersecurity. And the way it goes is day one, you pick a, a role that you're interested in and you look at six or seven uh, job descriptions from totally different companies and totally different verticals so you could see how these job descriptions lay out that role. Next, you do a gap analysis against that job description. What strengths do you have that align with the summary of all those job descriptions? What weaknesses do you have against that job description? Next is you find individuals in that specific role. You ask them, hey, can I find out about a day in the life of a SOC analyst? Tell me about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And what you're looking for is A, to find out whether that role does align for you, and B, whether you have the skills needed to be successful from day one. If not, what are the areas that you need to work on? And then from there, you start looking at companies that are looking to hire for those positions and you start networking within those companies or with other individuals that have that role for potential openings. And we're down to about three minutes left or probably two minutes left. First of all, Chris, um, I didn't ask, how do you say your last name properly? Uh, Christophe Foulon. And then you are from the Caribbean, you said? Yes, I grew up in the Caribbean, um, but I've lived in California, Florida, and, and now up in the D.C. area. Well, that is amazing. Any last message that you would like to send out to our viewers and our listeners before we wrap up? I, I would say um, if you're interested in cybersecurity, come to the field because you're passionate about it. If you come to the field because you hear that there's um, six-figure salaries, you're going to find yourself burning out. Um, and that could ruin your health, that can ruin your wealth and your life. Um, so you don't want to burn out for something that you're not passionate about and have a good work-life balance. And one more time, the name of your weekly podcast and how they can find that and your book. It's called Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. It's available on all major podcast vendors. The book is called Develop Your Cybersecurity Path, How to Break Into Cybersecurity at Any Level. And that could be found on Amazon, as well as digital formats. And if there was any type of organization, because you talked about networking really quick, is there one organization that you would say, hey, get involved in this. This is going to be a great platform for you to meet peers I, I mean, and mentors. Yeah, I, I like ISSA. Um, they're not related to any particular certification. They have a good way of bringing people in and helping prepare them for the industry. 
Excellent. Chris Fallen, uh, thank you so much. Definitely try to catch his podcast. Um, we will have it posted after the show so you can find his podcast. We'll also have his book posted so you can check out his book. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in for another episode of And Security for All. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and we will see you next Friday uh, and enjoy your day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events.